We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're about to enter one of the deepest and best veteran running back free agent markets in the history of the NFL, Sarah. And so the question becomes, though, what about the forgotten man in Baltimore? We have an update on J.K. Dobbins and his ongoing situation with the Ravens. Yeah, we do. It's very intriguing. Plus, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler gave an insider's take on Odell Beckham Jr. And then he also gave the one negative feedback that he heard from other teams that interviewed Mike McDonald. All right, I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, February 27th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by one of this month's small business Patreon title sponsors, our friend Brandon Lindsay. All right, so the Ravens announced four coaching hires to John Harbaugh's staff, including one man that will reunite with Roquan Smith. Plus, we're going to dive into the wide receiver draft class, which some are saying is the best in a half decade. You got enough coming up in this one? (laughs) Tell me more. Let's get to that. So we have all of that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, so before we get into all the news that we just teased, I know that you wanted to give an update on the Todd Munkin interview that we had had previously scheduled. Yeah, just in the interest of full transparency, right? You and I always try to be as as upfront and honest with our audience. I mean, you guys are the reason why we've been able to do this through almost two years now. And so as I teased last week, we had Todd scheduled to come on on Tuesday at, at 4.30, and then unfortunately... Keith Williams was hired by the New Orleans Saints to be their next wide receivers coach, which obviously when when you lose a staff member in the offseason, you you kind of immediately hit the ground running to find a replacement. And so Todd politely and and very way out in front of that that 430 time called me to to ask for a reschedule. He's the Mm -hmm. best. He's so accommodating and a great dude. And we've had great conversations trying to set this up. And unfortunately, what followed that was like a 24-hour game of phone tag. Mm-hmm. And in that time, the Ravens approached him and asked him not to come on our show. Um, when I followed up with the Ravens on that, I got that it wasn't the right time. Obviously, I'm pretty frustrated about this. We were really looking forward to to our conversation so much so that I was confident enough to tease it. Uh, a learning moment for me, for sure, moving forward. 
I hate that he's not going to be able to come on. Certainly not going to stall our efforts whatsoever. We're hoping to have him back on. He wants to come on the show. He made it that abundantly clear. And we're hoping to have him on at some point after the combine. But uh, to say that I have any answers in terms of why he's not coming on uh, and and why he wasn't able to come on and why they essentially uh, stepped in, I really, I really don't have any. So, just wanted to provide an update there, and and hopefully we'll we'll have him on at some point this off season. Yeah, it'll be. Listen, if if ever we get him, whenever that is, Todd's always great. So, uh, but I just wanted to say I appreciate you and all your work because it's um, certainly frustrating for both of us, and I'm sure the fans wanted to hear from him. I certainly wanted to talk to him, but I just wanted to say that I'm grateful for you and all the work that goes into I like it's so much work to get a guest scheduled especially one as high profile yeah. as Todd Munkin and I know you worked really hard at creating a relationship with him a relationship of trust where he'd want to come on and all that and so um even though it didn't work out I just wanted to say you've done a great job uh on the back end trying to manage it all I appreciate that and I think the good news is is uh, he says he's a listener <laughs> I don't know if he was just kind of screwing with me a little bit but he says he's a fan of the vault he, he enjoys our stuff he appreciates our stuff and who knows maybe he's watched it one time or you know monthly or whatever it is but uh, that was pretty cool and and we did have a really good conversation so hopefully I can follow up on that and uh, that's that's certainly a promise I'm gonna at least follow up on that and and hopefully we'll have him on at some point in the near future so anyway more importantly we have a uh a forgotten man to speak of, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do. And and before I get to him, just real quick, just to kind of set the scene, I know yesterday we talked um, on, uh, on our episode about the running back market. We were specifically addressing Henry and Saquon based off of what Jeremy Fowler had said on ESPN. And so um, on Tuesday, was today? No, on Monday, I'm losing all my days of the week here. <laughs> on Monday, Adam Schefter had written a pretty um, in-depth report on the running back market. And so kind of want to set the stage of that and then get into the our forgotten man within the, the mix of this. So Adam Schefter tweeted out Monday that this offseason stands in contrast to 2023 mm-hmm. when Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard all received franchise tags. This offseason, it appears no running backs will be tagged, making this one of the finest and deepest running back classes in the history of free agency. So if anybody wants to know why I was preaching patience in yesterday's episode, it's because of this. There's, okay. there, it's a buyer's market when there is a surplus of legit talent. In free agency, and then I put in here, by the way, Raven's Twitter always goes to work. Um, somebody had photoshopped Saquon Barkley already in a Raven's jersey. Can you read Can you read who that's from? It's so small. Man, I could barely dope, even see Dope it. edits? <laughs> dope edits, I think? There you go. Dope yep. edits. Make it a little bit bigger so we can give you more credit there. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, in the meantime, because it was Fowler that kind of like got the, the new cycle running on the Raven's potentially being interested in Saquon and even Henry and all that. So he was on the um, Glenn Clark show locally in Baltimore. And there was actually a few things uh, that I wanted to pull out from that because it was really good. But uh, he talked a little bit more about all the legwork that the Ravens are doing on this running back market. And then the forgotten man, what about J.K. Dobbins? Where does he fit in this whole mix? So let's listen in on that. Uh, You know, I know that they've done their legwork on a lot of the top guys and it, price point will be a big part of it. If the running back market gets to 10 million or more, they probably won't be involved, but traditional logic of the last few years says that 
you know, it could be a low number because running backs have suffered in free agency. So Baltimore could certainly take advantage. Gus Edwards is a free agent. They could bring him back. Uh, but right now, you just have Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell, who's coming back from an ACL. So they have to get some help. I think they're going to look at some high-end help, potentially. Um, you know, they'll at least be studying the likes of Saquon and Tony Pollard and some of those guys as options. Jeremy, where do you think right now the club stands or the player stands uh, with the club in the case of J.K. Dobbins? You know, that's a good question. I know um, certainly the, the door is open to potentially come back. They've had a good relationship. You know, they even were going to talk about an extension before he got hurt. So it's a, it's a player they value, but, you know, the injuries are severe enough where there probably has to be a little bit of a waiting period typically when guys get hurt and need all offseason to recover. For most of the offseason, they wait to sign in free agency. So that could be the case here. Um, you know, but this is a player who certainly has top 10 to 15 running back potential when he is healthy. So, um, you know, I think they'll keep it on the radar, and they'll keep the lines of communication open on that. Okay, so Bobby, every time I've been asked about J.K. Dobbins, I've always been like, if I were J.K., I'd want to go elsewhere, right? Now, that being said, he's in a tough spot because we just talked about per Adam Schefter, this is going to be one of the deepest and best running back markets. And he's coming off of two seasons worth of, of, well, really three seasons worth of like injuries. Like it's just, it's going to be tough for him. He's not, he's going to have to do a one year prove it deal. And so, and then he's saying teams are going to want to wait so they can get a health update, right? They're going to want to have him come in and do um, an inspection with this inspection, a, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Physical. A physical, yeah, with trainers. And so it's like, listen, I mean, you end up, let's say it really sounds like, I mean, there's tons of smoke. I also read from Jeff Zrebeck, who I trust from a local. He said it sounds like the Ravens are trying to get that bell cow. And it, I mean, there's a reason why Jeremy's talking about it, that uh, Jeff's talking about, like the Ravens (laughs) really do appear to be like, we want one of these running backs that are in this market. So say like they get one of them. And then here comes August, and J.K. is just now proving that he's healthy. And then you, and then you were able to add J.K. at the very end. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that, Bobby. <laughs> right, because like J.K. is not going any. Like, there's not going to be anything pressing about that from a time standpoint. Right, right. Like so he's they not can, signing more like the day one of free agency. Right. So they have that. They have that on their side. And like I just tweeted it out earlier today, I saw Kirk Cousins put out a, a video of him throwing, and of course he's coming back from the same injury, torn mm-hmm. Achilles. And I was like, before I had even seen any of this, or before I even knew that we were heading in this direction with today's episode, I was like, I, I wonder where J.K. is at is in in his rehab. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder what his mobility is looking like. So maybe the Ravens are wondering that too, even though they have more access to him than I do, and maybe they're thinking, hey. We don't know yet where he's going to be four months from now. So, like, right. we need we need that time. We need that time to evaluate. We need that time to get our ducks in order before we make a decision on this. And I think that's going to match up with what the market will look will, – how, how the market will treat J.K. as well. So, that could actually benefit the Ravens. And and so, like, to your point, you go out and get one of these guys that's, that's <laughs> leading to a historical free agent class, and then J.K. gets sprinkled on top. Yeah. <laughs> already with with Keaton and Justice in that room. I right. mean, that's a group that I'm not sure you have all four of them active, you know, on game day. But that's Plus whatever you add in the draft. 
whatever you add to the draft, you're going to have depth to add to the practice squad, perhaps. I mean, that's. I would just say this, though. From from the Ravens' perspective, I love it. If I'm JK and say, like, the Ravens ended up signing one of these top guys that we're talking about, whether it's Saquon, Derek, or Tony Pollard, or Swift, or whatever, if I'm JK, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to, like, if this is a prove it deal, how am I going to be able to prove myself? You know what I mean? If I'm JK, I am. I, I've just, is there another guy uh, in, that you feel for more? I mean, it is just uh, brutal, especially when you take a look at what he looked like prior to going down. I mean, he was prime for what we all felt like was a Pro Bowl caliber season, and to get it taken away from one play, it's 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 so so brutal. It's got this way of you know chewing you up and spitting you out. The NFL and, and JK has had as much adversity as any player has in recent memory through his first few seasons in the NFL, I'm crossing my fingers for him uh, from a rehab standpoint. But I think it's super smart. As Jeremy said, for the Ravens, they've, they're still talking to him. They're keeping the lines of communication open. And I think that's smart of the Ravens to do. Meanwhile, our guy, Odell Beckham Jr. He was seen at the Lakers Suns game. uh, I think over the weekend. And uh, Jeremy Fowler was also asked by Glenn about, where he's like any chance that OBJ could be back. And uh, here's what he had to say. Yeah, for sure. I would be, I'd say mildly surprised if he's back. Um, I'd never say never. I think his experience there was good, but his target share is pretty low. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but this is a guy who still wants the ball and he wasn't getting it, you know, and that's for better or worse. That's been the issue in Baltimore is receivers go there and, and their careers suffer a little bit, you know? At receiver, that's just a bit the way it's been. I mean, Hollywood Brown wanted out of there. It's tough, and it's that's sort of the weird um, existence of Lamar Jackson. Great player, two-time MVP, but yet it's hard to get receivers there. Now that's changing a little bit with Todd Munkin, I think, and, and the way they're running their system. But you know, Odell, I think he can go somewhere else and be like a full-time slot receiver now with his size and strength. I don't know that he's the guy you can put on the outside and just win all the time anymore. But I was talking to a few coaches. If they put him in the slot, he'll catch 80 or 90 passes somewhere else. And that, that's probably attractive to him. Wow. 80 to 90 somewhere else. That's that's a <laughs> steep number. Um, this makes me think about an exchange that I had with, with Ken McCusick from Film Study Ravens, one of, friend of the show, recently within the last week or so. And, and I, I think I mentioned it as well. Not his mm-hmm. response, but my tweet. I, I said, I think it's reasonable to anticipate that a first, second, third, maybe even fourth round rece- wide receiver because of how deep the, the draft class is this year uh, in April's we're draft. We're going to get into in a minute. Right. Yeah. W- would, would match, if not exceed, the on-field production OBJ gave Baltimore last season. Now, that's me assuming that it would be similar next year. That's an assumption. Uh, and then I said, I'm comfortable moving on from OBJ and free agency. And Ken said, I'd be comfortable even if the draftee had 60% of the production of OBJ because it would come at a minimal cost for 2024 Mm. and provide three additional years of upside on the rookie deal. And that's kind of where I'm at. Hearing what Jeremy has to say, though, 80 to 90 catches? Well, well, I think he said targets. Targets, excuse me. Targets, Targets. yeah. So he had 64, which is far less than the 90, even, even 80. So he had 64 in Baltimore. And, and again, he was... He was injured how many games he missed? He missed like a couple. Three games. Three games. Three games. Would that have made up? Could he have gotten 15 more in three games? Maybe. So I don't think 80 is that far off, you know, especially in a pass-heavy offense. Mm -hmm. Maybe an offense that doesn't have featured tight ends the way the Ravens do. So I don't think that's – I don't think that would – I don't think that would be crazy elsewhere. 
Yeah, I guess a lot of it would have to do is like, all right, what's the what's the playmaking ability of this destination that we're talking about? You know, hypothetically, right. what do they have, and where where does he fall into it? So, I swear uh, in my life, there. if he ends up with Patrick Mahomes, and then in the playoffs, he like <laughs> runs a slant and takes it to the house, and <laughs> it's gonna, gonna hurt. It's gonna all hurt. Right, <laughs> la- last thing from Fowler, then we'll, we'll move on to the next. But uh, he was asked about Mike McDonald. It was kind of in the context of um, you know just like for Ravens fans, it was hard to see him walk out the door with this idea that he could potentially be like, you know, a ne- the next great coach. Sure. And so they asked him like, what have you heard about what the league is saying about Mike McDonald? Just cause we're so localized here and you, you hear everybody. So um, he gave both the, the positives and then the one minus that he heard from teams that interviewed him. Well, it's a massive loss. I mean, he is, really sharp. All you hear is just how smart he is, how he relates to players. He's kind of the total package. The only complaint I heard about him in the interview process with other teams, they said they were blown away by his interview. He was amazing. But their offensive staff, or the the staff he had put together, had some questions. Hmm. Um, So if you were a team trying to hire an offensive-minded head coach, you probably were turned off a little bit by Mike McDonald. Now, Seattle was open to a defensive head coach. But now his coordinator is coming from college with limited to no NFL experience. That is a question mark. But outside of that, he was very coveted. He's got he checked a ton of boxes. Um, you know, what the belief is in some league circles that Washington wanted him as well, and there was a bit of a bidding war. So, you know, certainly the Ravens were bracing to lose him potentially. They knew he was going to be a hot candidate, and they obviously think very highly of Zach Orr. I think you're seeing that now with young linebackers like with D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. Right? He still looks like he could keep playing. Uh, Antonio Pierce, guy, but yet here he is, a successful head coach. Antonio Pierce, like those linebackers are coaches on the field, and so they're looked upon as really good coordinators and head coaches now. So I think that that's Harbaugh trying to get ahead of it. I think I think Orr had other options, Green Bay being one. So you know they just felt like they had a natural fit there, and you know to move on. But it's their question certainly because the way McDaniel or uh, McDonald structured that defense, and you know him calling blitzes at the right time and uh Kyle Shanahan Mike McDaniel type offenses was really impressive we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so two things. There was the the Mike McDonald part and then the Zach Orr part. So Mike McDonald, um, that was interesting to me that they like that some teams are like were nervous about the offensive staff, right? And so I, who knows? My, I mean, 
I, I'm, if I were to bet, I'm sure Mike is going to really succeed out in Seattle. But I, I bring that up, and maybe it's one of those things where, like, it's like confirming what I, what I was saying for me personally, which was when people were upset that the Ravens didn't hire him over John Harbaugh. To me, it was like, but if you're going to get rid of John Harbaugh, I want an offensive-minded coach because under John Harbaugh. We've had consistency on defense, even though he's not been a defensive coordinator every year under, it does not matter what coordinator he's had. The, the consistency in Baltimore has been defense. And with Mike McDonald, you would presumably get the same thing, right? Maybe that's probably what he's going to take out to Seattle where John Harbaugh has, has more struggled is on the offensive side. And then when he does hit on an offensive coordinator, then that offensive coordinator is gone. Then you're back and you got to get a new offense again. So to me, it was like I wanted an offensive-minded coach. And so that why to me it was like, why, why move on to John to go to Mike when we're already doing that? And what we're missing is more like consistency on offense with Lamar Jackson. And so him saying that, that other that other teams are like, I don't know about the offensive staff he's putting together. I was like, interesting, because that was my fear. Now, I I'm not, I don't, I hope that Mike McDonald succeeds out in the NFC, right? If we happen to meet in the Super Bowl, fine. Otherwise, I'm hoping he succeeds. And I hope he puts together a great offense and defense. But if he puts together a great offense, he's going to lose his offensive coordinator, and then he'll have to start over again, which is the same thing going on in Baltimore. Right. And then for Orr, like Harbaugh was trying to get out in front of it. Yeah, like he did with right? Mike McDonald. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Green Bay, Jeremy mentioned, we knew that they were looking at him for their defensive coordinator slot, and I'm sure there were other teams out there as well. So this guy is looked at as, well, he's what? He's the – second youngest defensive coordinator, I think, league-wide, and then McDonald's the youngest head coach league-wide. I think that's mm -hmm. what it is. So anyway, clearly, you know, he was going to be sought after, and Harbs is like, we're, we're not letting this guy walk. you got to pick and choose. Like, we let <laughs> Denard walk, right? We let uh, Coach Weaver walk, right? All these names that 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 got other opportunities, but we're not <laughs> – like, you gotta you got to kind of figure out which is the uh, the cream of the crop that's going to rise to the top in Baltimore, and it sure looks like Orr could – could end up doing that over time. And so uh, being that there was so much turnover, we finally now know that several of the assistants have been hired and named by the Ravens. So here's a look at the 2024 staff. Your new defensive backs coach is Doug Mallory. The assistant offensive line coach will be Travell Wharton. Dennis Johnson is the new D-line coach. And Mark DeLeon is the inside linebackers coach. We'll begin with him in terms of his credentials because – you got to love the, the connection there with Roquan. They spent two seasons together in Chicago. Remember Roquan, that's kind of how he established himself in the NFL. He earned second team all pro honors back in 2020. But DeLeon is 36. He's got 17 years of coaching experience, Sarah, most recently as a defensive analyst with the University of Kansas for the last couple of years. But again, he's got that NFL experience. And probably most importantly for Baltimore, he's got a relationship with zero. I was going to say, there's no way they hired him without Roquan giving like five stars to him, right? Like yeah, yeah. Roquan knows and Roquan's your leader. So the fact that they brought him in, I think that I think that's a great sign that he had already had two seasons with Roquan. And so you know that Roquan gave a stamp of approval there. Now I won't go too much into like Travell Wharton, who's the assistant offensive line coach. I mean he's he's been around for about six seasons, but he's assistant offensive line coach. It's he's not going to be running that. Um, defensive that's line coach. That's going to continue to be Joe D. Joe D. Yeah, that's me, exactly. Been there for forever. Forever. He's 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 first class. Best he's of the best. Best of the best. 
Um, but the other one that I really wanted to point out was Doug Mallory at the defensive backs coach. And the reason why I want to point that out is we have been talking about the way Mike McDonald kind of structured the defense. And again, if you read, like I read Jeff, Jeff's Rebeck this week, and he had talked about how like, yes, it was Mike McDonald. And of course he's pushing all the right buttons. And of course he's brilliant. And, and Roquan calls him a mad scientist, but he's like, at the end of the day, it was, it was John Harbaugh's vision. And, and then Mike McDonald was able to like implement it and really get into the nitty gritty. Now, Zach Orr is also been along with that this whole time, pretty much. But on top of it, now with Doug Mallory, you've got another guy that knows exactly where you're headed because Mallory has been coaching in Michigan. He's been the defensive analyst from 21, from 21 to 23. And he was still there in, in 23 when they won the championship. The, the, the defensive unit for them allowed just 10.4 points per game and 247 yards per game. So he worked with Jim but also worked with Mike McDonald for a year. So now you've got Zach Orr, but you've got Doug Mallory, who knows what the system's all about too, because he's, he's worked with Mike McDonald. So I like that fit really at inside linebackers and at defensive back, backs coach. Love it. All right. So let's head on to the wide receiver position, because as you mentioned a minute ago, or I guess I mentioned it, it is a deep class. You think about some of these names that are on the list. And and, and was this from a certain publication that ranked yeah, these guys, yeah. Sarah? This is Mel Kuyper. Okay, Mel Kuyper, oh. obviously. So this is this is as good as it gets. And uh, this is a deep class. This is a, a, a class that has a bunch of big body wide receivers who the Ravens could potentially be in the market for. You know, your rangy, your 50-50 uh, your ball winning guys that we've had some conversations about. But um, Marvin Harrison Jr. leads Mel's list. The Ohio State stud is is rumored to kind of be or believed to be a, sort of a generational type of wide receiver. Uh, Roma Dunze from Washington is is just as popular, perhaps, based on certain mock drafts that you look at. A couple of LSU guys go back-to-back in Malik Neighbors and Bryce Thomas Jr. Uh, Lad McConkey from Georgia saw a bunch of postseason football, obviously, for the Bulldogs. Keon Coleman, who I think all of Ravens Nation love to serve as that big body guy from Florida State. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, who I mentioned last week from Texas, uh, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina, Xavier Worthy from Texas, and Troy Franklin of Oregon uh, rounds out Mel's top 10. But again, Sarah, I think you know the big thing is, yeah, it's a deep offensive tackle class, right? But it's, it's a deep wide receiver class. And I think for the Ravens, you don't necessarily need to use that 30th overall pick on a wide receiver, which is nice because they have picks uh, in the first five, at least one pick in the first five rounds. Okay, so here's here's how I want to put this in context, Bobby, because every year people put together their or Mel Kuyper puts together his top ten at each position, right? Yep. And so that's great. You can kind of see who's best within the class, but how does that stack up to the rest of the draft? Which is really what we're trying to get at here, which is like, yeah, well, if you like Mel Kuyper's top ten from whatever, whatever year it was, right? Those type top ten could be, well, the number ten could be a fourth rounder. Maybe a fifth rounder, depending 100%. on, de- yeah, depending on how they rank overall within all the positions. So here's what's crazy, and this is kind of the point of it all. So Mel Kuyper, I went to his, he, he puts up a top 25. He's got four, four wide receivers in his top 25, okay? Now, and by the way, three of those four are 6'3 or taller, <laughs> okay? 
So mm-hmm. most of those guys, probably first rounders. Then I went to Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. Easily wide receiver. He had 11 wide receivers in his top 50. Easily <laughs> the position with the most in the top 50. Yep. Okay. The next highest, and this is music to the Ravens ears also, is offensive tackle with eight in in defensive or in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. Now, of course, Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 is not like the Ravens' top 50 for sure, but this gives you a ballpark. For sure gives you a ballpark. And by the way, DJ's top four and Mel's top four are the same. They have them ranked slightly differently, but they're the, they're the same. Okay. So you're going to see that. So 11 wide receivers in the top 50 for DJ, then eight offensive tackles, then seven corners, then tied uh, at six apiece is edge and, cor- and quarterback. So that brings me to this next clip that I'm going to bring up. And this is all about strategy and value because this is a conversation between Mina Kimes, who I love, and Field Yates, who we had on our show while we were at the Super Bowl. And they talked about the strategy because, yeah, you can maybe get an elite wide receiver at number eight, but you might just be getting a notch below at 38. So that's what they're kind of talking about here. Do you think this could be the greatest wide receiver draft <laughs> in recent memory? Yeah. Um, I, so in 2020, uh, in the first two rounds, there were 13 wide receivers taken. It started, people were surprised when the uh, Raiders took Henry Ruggs at 12, uh, but because they took him over Jerry Judy, which was, I think that was, I remember people being surprised by that. But then you also had CeeDee Lamb falling to 17, Jalen Rager, Just Jefferson at 22, the infamous Rager before Jefferson, Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk at 25, yep. T. Higgins in the second round, Pittman in the wow. second round. That was an insane draft. How do you feel just as a group that this group of wide receivers stacks up? It's always important to remember that our pre-draft expectations are measured against that pre-draft expectation as well, right? So like, you know, you want to be process oriented when you're talking about how this class stacks up because outcome sort of, uh, outcome generated thinking can be a little bit of a dangerous game, right? These guys could all bust, right? Or they could all become first ballot hall of famers in 10 years. And obviously a take like this would look very smart, but feels like the strongest draft class uh, amongst wide receivers that I can recall at least a half decade. I'll rely on Mel Kuyper who's been doing, literally created this industry 46 years ago. He feels like it's one of the best he's seen in a long, long, long time. And that creates a fundamental challenge in this draft. If you're a team that really believes in the strength of this class, does that mean that you can afford to bypass some of these top tier prospects at the top? Because you say to yourself, all right, I can get an elite player at eight wide receiver. I could also get a notch below elite at 38. Xavier Leggett. Like, Like, there's so um, many good players. Yeah. If I were to do just my top 32 players, maybe a better way to look at it is like my top 40 or 50 players might include like 10 wide receivers. Omaha! So he basically said the same thing. He said, my my top 50 might include 10. Well, for Daniel Jeremiah, it was 11. And there was a couple more right out there. So that's kind of the idea where it's like, and Bobby, out of these 11 that are in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, Seven of them are 6'2 or taller. Like, there's a ton of beasts in this class. So, listen, who knows what's going to happen? I love the depth at offensive tackle. Like Daniel said, like, if you picked at number 30, you could get a starter at offensive tackle at 30. That's, like, almost unheard of. Like, tackles go so quickly, right? And so if you did that and you're still 
whether in the second or third round, because you do need an edge, there's a corner, like wide receiver, wide receiver. We Ravens might be able to get a stud in the second or third round based right. off of the, the stacked class here. So anyway, I just kind of want to review that as like a high up level. And we might, we'll probably get deeper and deeper to see who we fall in love with over the next couple of months. But from a high up level, Ravens, man, their needs match up really nicely with what the draft is given. I like it. Let's hope it stays that way. And, and this dude feels that he is so legit that Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't just skipping drills in Indianapolis. He's not even going to be at the combine training facility at all. He's going to stay at Ohio State and just build and build and build here, according to Albert Breer, ahead of his rookie season. So if that doesn't tell you what he feels and maybe even some of the due diligence he and his group he and his camp have done um, about where they're at, then I don't know what does. So uh, people have joked like, hopefully that'll make him drop, which it's not going to, which it's not going to do. It is interesting. Like it's one thing to like, not do the drills, right. To like spare yourself from injuries, which Ojabo and a pro day, you know, did that or Voorhees who's finally coming back this year on the combine. So, but it's interesting. He doesn't go at all because it's such a place to like, to allow teams to get to know you and he's basically saying no you guys come to me if you want to get to know me you, you hey, come to me <laughs> dude's legit he's a dog he's too legit. and it's gonna be fun to see where he lands and i'm sure it'll be one of those instant impact playmakers congratulations to the great peter king he is retiring after 27 years of his football morning in america column guy's been doing it forever he's a legend here he is with lamar for our youtube audience and one of their on camera hits for NBC Sports, and as Brian Wacker, uh, who covers the Ravens here in town, tweeted and took a screenshot from his final send-off column, one of his takeaways is uh, Lamar Jackson. He referred to him as a polite Southern guy, ended every interview with, quote, thank you, Mr. Peter, <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty cool. He's listed among the all-time Mr. Nice Guys in Peter King's final column, and I'm sure you had Plenty of experiences and dealings with him uh, in your time with the organization. I did as well when I was in radio for a few short years. He never or rarely, rarely said no. And if he did say no to a interview request, Sarah, he, it was for very good reason. And I probably shouldn't have been texting him because of how many other people were probably texting him. So We should try to um, have him on, Bobby. I think that'd be cool. We'll that'd let it die cool. down for him. And at some point, yeah. you know, this offseason, once things, I'm sure he's going to be doing uh, send off after send off here these next you know couple of weeks, but man, I would to your point, I, I would love to get him on, especially since he uh, he has a lot of great things to say about eight here. He's just he's just been the king of um, you know print opinion, unintended. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, for so long, and like you said, he's just like a great human being. It was fun to read about him because I have the same problem. Like he he was. At one point in his career, he was trying to cut down on the number of words he had for his Monday morning quarterback because he's up so late and yada, yada, yada. And then yeah. so then he's like, in theory, that's nice, but I couldn't do it. And I felt the same way when I used to do late for work. Yeah. Like everybody's like, you can shorten it up. And I'm like, OK, I got you. I got you. And then I got there and I started writing. I was like, no, no, I was like, it's my it's like my style. I like just to be thorough, you know, and like yeah. really put it out there. And I love that he gave Lamar. A shout out, and I wish more people outside the market knew Lamar in this way. Um, he's, but to call him one of the all-time Mr. Nice Guys is is true. It's yep. true. Like Lamar is just so likable, and part of it is because he's just such a nice guy, and he leads with giving people respect. That's how he leads, yep. and it's like until you disrespect me, I'm just going to lead with respect. You know. So well, think about uh, this too. 
Lamar just finished his sixth season. Peter's done 27 in, in this column. So he's already on that list. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it, speaks, it speaks volumes to his character. So Absolutely. We'll finish here, and this is an update on the hip drop tackle that ended Mark Andrews' season, or at least we thought it ended it. We know he made it back for the AFC title game. Anyway, Mark Mask. Is it Maskey or Mask? Probably Maskey, right? I think I Mar- say Maskey. Yeah, at Mark Maskey on Twitter, uh, put up an update. The NFL's Jeff Miller on whether the hip drop tackle will be banned as part of this offseason's rule change process. And Jeff had this to say, quote, that's certainly my hope. The tricky part is in the definition. We want to get those sorts of behaviors out of the game if we can, end quote. So that's spoken with pretty decent amount of conviction Conviction there. So let's see what happens. Yeah, they want it out. That, and he's right, though. It's it's, t- it's tough. It's tough. It's going to make it harder on defensive players. But um, when Bart Scott was like, oh, I'm for it, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a middle linebacker who loved to hit in his day. And if he feels like you can figure it out, then you can figure it out. Sure, sure. And by the way, Jeff Miller. NFL executive VP overseeing player health and safety. So mm. that is right at the top well, that's there. That's why he hopes so then. That's yep. his job. Yeah. No doubt. That's his job. And he'll be directly overseeing this process, I'm sure, uh, throughout this offseason. So anyway, we want to shout out a couple of our OG patrons, Jaron Fonville, Christopher Saxe. Thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. You guys are supporting us through Patreon this month, as you have for many months, and we appreciate you guys. So if you guys are interested in doing the same out there, Uh, You've been enjoying the show. You want to throw a few bucks our way in exchange for an incentive, like a monthly shout out. uh, You can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault later today. We will have either an instant reaction. Be on the lookout. We have some things to work through after John Harbaugh and Eric Tacosta meet with the media from day one at least their day one of the combine in indianapolis so be on the lookout for that we'll have of course uh, as much content as we can compile from that and then actual combine coverage begins on thursday if i'm not mistaken so more to come this week we appreciate you guys and talk to you soon